Welcome back to another edition of Covered in Glory. You can't really see it on the podcast, but my face is covered right now in green laser pointers trying to keep me away from doing my job on this show. But joke is on them. I can kick this show into the metaphorical third row all on my own. I do not need any help. But speaking of lights in the eyes, the light of my eye, Brett Corominos, is with us here as always. How are you doing this week, Brett? Well, that was, I mean, that was your most lovely opening that we've had. So I'm doing wonderful now. And I mean, hey, we get to watch the U.S. team in the World Cup. Like how we all should be doing well. That is so exciting. I don't know about you, but after the trauma of 2018, even knowing we had to lose by less than six goals to advance, I was still curled up in a ball last night. Oh, I mean, it was extremely, you know, when they were, I think there was a whole thing on Twitter too, where it was kind of getting panned around the idea that they should just forfeit and take the 3-0 loss. And people are like, oh, well, they could be in pot one if they win and also the kind of shit. And I was like, no, 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 <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't even make the World Cup, take the forfeit. Let's just go. Let's just make sure we're there. <laughs> Fuck the yeah. pot one shit. Put us in the group of death. I just want to be able to watch the World Cup where the U.S. is in it. I know. I mean, I'm so looking forward to the draw on Friday and the anticipation that we get all the way to November instead of you know, looking on the outside like we were four years ago. So we'll have a lot of time to talk about that. We're both obviously super excited for the U.S. to be back Very on the excited. world stage. And uh, I'm sure that our listeners will be sick of hearing about it by November. But uh, let's get to some other things that they might be sick of hearing right now. Uh, so not a great slate of games this week. So we actually want to start the show off. Un- understatement. With- understatement right there that's what i'm known for i am known for understatements i am definitely not (laughs) known for sensationalist statements whatsoever uh so we want to start the show off by kind of resetting uh reminding everybody where we're at on the three big races particularly on the betting odds and kind of covering what the business end of the premier league season is going to look at like and then after the break we'll come back and we'll sprint through the games involving the big six so let's get right to it uh, we thought that we were going to have nothing to talk about. We thought we were only going to have two races, but then Liverpool said, hold my beer. And they came roaring back, roaring back to make this an actual title race, which is super exciting uh, for fans of non Man City and Liverpool teams that just want to see something that's competitive to end the season. So it's a two horse race. We're not going to give anybody a, a, any other odds. Let's not get cute with it. It's Manchester City minus 225 to end the season as champions, Liverpool plus 165. Only one point separates them, and there is a massive, massive showing coming up uh, in Manchester in a couple of weeks between the two teams. So, Brett, right now here on March 31st with those (sighs) odds, who are you taking? Man, I mean, my heart says I want to take Liverpool for the excitement of the come from behind, win the title type of thing. I mean, that's clearly what like we need in life, given the gloominess of the last few years, uh, last decade, who knows? Um, but I mean, I just think City's too good. Uh, you know, the, they're going to have they're going to have the benefit of being at home for that six point or two. I mean, it's going to be at the Etihad which I think is, you know, it's still a huge advantage. I mean, soccer is a little bit more random in that kind of, in that way than other sports, but it's better to have that game, you know, at the Etihad than at Anfield if you're city. And as much as Liverpool's depth has been great, um, you know, I mean, city, it just continues to roll. It doesn't matter who's out there for city. The machine just always just seems to keep churning at an extremely high level. And there isn't a player. I mean, actually, I guess, you know, if, if, Liverpool lost Trent Alexander-Arnold 
I feel like that would be like an injury. I don't know how you feel about it, but like for me, I would see that injury and be like, oh, they're, they're done. Like that's it for them. With City, even if they lost your boy Cancelo, is, where, is that statue outside your house yet of him or no? Um, <laughs> but even if they lost under construction, it, under construction still, okay, well, we'll, get, we'll put a picture of it when it's ready. But, you know, even if they lost Cancelo, who's probably their most unique player, I still feel like I wouldn't have any opinion change about him. And it doesn't really matter who goes down. Like, KDB has missed a lot of minutes over the last few years, and, and it hasn't really changed anything. I definitely feel like maybe he brings him to a slightly higher level when he's out there. But, you know, even if, like, Raheem Sterling is, like, a bit starter at this point. And that's just, like, incredible to me. I, I, I don't see City just, like, having those games either where they just choke. Um, I mean, they pummel Palace, and Palace just got extremely lucky with that draw. That has to, like, continue. They just have to have terrible finishing luck, basically, down the stretch run for me to not want to take the odds that they're going to win. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, right, because you're talking about squad depth and and overall balance among uh, all the players and how Manchester City, you know, is obviously exceptional in that regard. But we're not talking about a 38-game campaign anymore. We're talking about a nine-game campaign. Yeah. And in a nine-game campaign, I'm less worried about one player falling out because that's, you know, just a smaller sample size in which it could actually happen. Uh, so I think if this if the odds reflected a coin flip, I would take Manchester City. I think Manchester City is the more likely champion because I think they're the better team. But the odds don't reflect a coin flip. You're taking Manchester City minus 225 versus Liverpool plus 165 when only one point separates them and Liverpool is on the the come up. And Liverpool is an absolute world-class team. I mean, these two teams, I think, are, are a very thin margin separates the two. Um, and I know that City's going to be home for the six-pointer, and I think that's why the betting odds currently ref- are where they're at. But given where the odds are at, if I'm laying money down, give me the plus side. Because I think if you know you do this uh, last nine games you know, ten times, I think City's the champ probably six, and Liverpool's the champ four. And I think the EV on a Liverpool bet on plus 165 is the ac- better actual value, even if City is more likely to be the champion. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm not running, making models over here, something that's calculating 100 outcomes for this where they're at right now. But, I mean, 6 of 10 seems a little low for me with City. Um, you know, I mean, Liverpool's got tricky fixtures coming in, um, you know, in terms of the fact that, like, you know, they're gonna they're obviously going to be away at City, which is going to be the trickiest fixture. You know, but, like, Aston Villa away. Like, is that a draw that, you know, Liverpool stumbles into there? Um, you know, they're going to play Spurs at home. That's Spurs have been unlucky with their results, but like their underlying numbers are awesome. So you're talking about a team that, you know, really is playing well, probably one of the better teams in the world right now. Um, and even that Southampton fixture away is tricky. Like that's a team that Southampton, when they're on their good days, when Hassan Hoodle's got that press going, like that team trips people up. Um, and even Wolves at home could be something too. Wolves have been pretty solid team. So there's a lot of games where I feel like Liverpool can stumble. Um, I also do feel like with Andy Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold, those guys are still massive cogs in that machine. They're, they're the guys that like Liverpool can't lose down the stretch run. And I, and that's what I keep going back to is like, if everything's even in your opinion, even if everything is even, there's going to be fluky shit that happens. Somebody's going to get hurt for a, a stretch that's going to be really important, or somebody's going to have to get rotated because both these teams are going to be playing deep in the Champions League. 
Um, and Liverpool just has good attacking depth now, especially with Diaz in the fold, you know, Firmino back and healthy. But at the same token, there's two players on their team and Van Dyke too, as well. Like Van Dyke got hurt that if they lost one of those guys for four or five games down the stretch, that's a massive blow. The, the replacement that's going to come in for any one of those players is going to be a severe downgrade. And I know there's 11 guys on the pitch, but that's a big deal. And with City, there just isn't a guy. They Like, what center back do they lose that you're worried about? You know, even with Cancelo, you know, they're going to plug in Kyle Walker still, one right back to shut down counterattacks, and then they'll throw Zinchenko out there, and then it doesn't matter because KDB and Foden will just create everything in the final third. So it's I, I think it's more like seven or eight out of ten times City win this, um, which is why even though you're not getting great value out of the bet, um, I still think it's the right one. But, you know, I hope I'm wrong. I mean, for the sake of entertainment, I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I know. Obviously, we all want to be the winners here. We want this to go down to the final match day and to have another Aguero-type moment that decides oh, this thing. God, I could use that um, in my life. Plus, making bad value bets is your specialty, so I can <laughs> see true. why you'd want the, the same side true. of this. Uh, so, I, I don't know. I mean... I don't want to make the same points about squad depth and a more limited uh, fixture list, but I will say that like in terms of tricky fixtures, like it wasn't, you know, uh, it wasn't Tottenham or city or I'm sorry, not city, but you know, Chelsea or anybody else that necessarily tripped up the city machine last time out. It was crystal palace. And so like they just saw that anybody they could drop points versus anybody right now and they're not the all killing machine that we saw that was running off 14 15 16 straight wins um maybe they're going to go back to that maybe they're going to you know sweep their final nine fixtures and my comments are going to look silly in retrospect but i just know that looking at the betting odds i think the better value is on liverpool well i mean you've been more right than me lately so i, I don't even know if you're the expert at this point not just lately <laughs> Way to, throw, way to throw that extra little bit of shit in there. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. So let's move down to top four where there's a little bit um, you know, more of a Royal Rumble here and not just two teams that are in competition. Uh, the top four odds. Arsenal is minus 200. Spurs are plus 225. Manchester United is plus 500. And West Ham is plus 4,000. Uh, so they have really fallen off since the last time we did this. The last time I think we talked about it, Arsenal, who we I think we both gave out. I know yeah. I gave them out. They were in the plus, you know, two hundreds. They were like two forty or two fifty. Uh, and West Ham was in a similar range. West Ham has obviously fallen off. They played more games. I think they're six points behind Arsenal with two more games played. So that explains their odds. I'm kind of crossing them off on top four as much as I've enjoyed the Hammer season. Even at plus four thousand, I don't even think it's worth a flyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if you agree, we're kind of down to the same three teams for one spot that we thought we might be down to a while ago, and that's Arsenal, Spurs, and Manchester United. Uh, even with the reduced odds, and I certainly hope you took Arsenal the last time we gave out the pick and got a lot more value for it. That's who I would take again. Um, I know Ramsdale's you know, questionable coming for a couple of games, and that's a huge downgrade for them. I mean, He's one of our favorite players in the Premier League in terms of what he produces on the pitch. And so that's certainly uh, a little bit worrying. But outside of the Ramsdale injury, I mean, they've got the points and they have uh, the games at hand. And I just see them playing ugly, terrible soccer all the way into Europe next season. Yeah, I mean, it's weird because like if, if you ask me who I think the better team is, it's, I would pick Spurs under Conte, no doubt. 
But unfortunately, yeah. they just they've just gotten unlucky with those results. And that's just kind of the weird part of how soccer works. Like, yeah, they're, they're like if, we were, if, if we were looking at odds for next season's top four, uh, I would take Spurs. I mean, depending on what the numbers were, but I think the Spurs are more likely to finish above Arsenal next year with the offseason under Conte. He gets a couple more of his system players in there. He gets an offseason to drill them and really put his stamp on the team. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about yeah. what's going to happen in the remaining, you know, two or a month and a half of this season. Yeah, I mean, I think I just have like a hesitancy to pick Arsenal because they've just been underwhelmingly above average <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, but I mean, uh, it is the smart play. Like, you know, they, they have a game in hand. If they win that game in hand, it's a six point lead in the table for them and on that fourth spot. And it doesn't seem like it's a lot of points where you're like, oh, you know, well, they lose and Spurs win. And it's right there, right? It, it's actually a lot bigger gap than you think with the way that the that teams at this level churn out points per game per match. Um, it would take a pretty colossal collapse. I mean, 538 has Arsenal's odds to finish in the top four higher than City's winning the championship. So City is a 62% favorite to win the title. Arsenal is actually a 67% favorite now to finish in the top four, which is part of the reason why you're only getting, you know, that minus 200 on them. Um, so, I mean, it, you know, again, like it's not a great value bet. It's not super exciting to, to pick the team that's, you know, got a game in hand and three points up. But I mean, I think it's definitely still the best place to park your money. I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're just solid. You know, they, they're grinding out results. They'd have to really choke away a few games. I mean, even if they took a few unfortunate draws at this point, um, you know, if they just win the game in hand, they can afford to have a few lapses down the stretch run. And, you know, Spurs would have to be pretty much brilliant at this point. I mean, they would just have to, they would have to play city Liverpool esque football to end up probably overcoming this gap. Well, you, you talk about being consistently above average, and that's exactly what's separating these teams over the course of a long 38-game campaign. I mean, Manchester Manchester United is obviously the more talented team, but I always joke, like, whenever I give you stats of how a, a team has performed against the big six and where, you know, who's the outlier, yeah. it's always Manchester United because they drop points against bottom five teams on the reg, and they're not consistent enough to actually run a, a convincing campaign against a team that just – you know, kind of plugs away every single week like Arsenal and grinds out points. So I think Manchester United plus 500 this particular year, I don't see it. I don't see Arsenal collapsing enough to allow United to come back. And I don't see United brilliant enough in order to bridge the gap. And so I know it's not all that exciting taking a minus 200, uh, but I even think that is the best value of these four teams. Yeah. I mean, if we never had to talk about United the rest of the year, that would be fantastic they're just so at this point they're just a boring kind of above average team you know i know they got some name recognition with ronaldo and bruno fernandez and Jaden sancho and stuff like that but their results have just been they're an above average defensive team pretty meh often uh, attacking one it's just they're not they're not good i mean i would go as far as probably to say that arsenal legitimately just have better players at this point which is probably why they're on the table um i think saka would would probably be the best overall attacker. I think he's really grown into his own, over the, especially with his last stretch here. Um, you know, Martin Odegaard does some some really important things as far as like winning football matches on the pitch. Um, and Martinelli has been huge. I mean, I, I don't even think it's probably like a hot take to say he's easily been better than Sancho and Marcus Rashford. So 
Um, I just, I just think they're better. Like I, I and that's sometimes it's like, you know, great, Oh yeah. Great analysis, Brett. like a job. Thanks for, we'll tune in next week for more of this. Um, but I, mean, I just I heard you say, Sack, I just, I just heard you say Sack is going to have a better career than Ronaldo. That's what I heard you say. So let's go ahead and print that and put it on some t-shirts. <laughs> there we go. That'll be, that'll be the hot take to get some clicks. Yeah. And, and plus we're going to talk about Manchester United every single week for the rest of the year. So I'm super happy to hear as your partner that you have no interest <laughs> in discussing it. I'll be carrying your corpse for uh, six more weeks. Uh, all right. So let's get to the relegation battle. Um, Norwich minus 10,000. They're going down. That's over. Uh, Watford minus 750. Extraordinarily likely they're going down. I don't see a lot of signs of life out of Watford that makes that minus 750 seem anything you know different from true value. So then if you accept those as two of the three teams that are going to get relegated, we have a real nice battle for the final spot. Uh, Burnley minus 175 to go down. Everton plus 225. Leeds plus 275. And then some long shots, Brentford plus 800. And then Newcastle, who, putting all the off-the-pits things aside, I was very high on at the uh, at the January transfer window because of the amount of money they were going to spend. And I believe I told you that they are less likely to go down than Everton, which you would describe as a hot take. And now the odds say Newcastle is plus 2,800 to Everton's plus 225. So I'm taking a victory lap on that one, even if the season hasn't ended yet. As you, as you should. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the Newcastle turnaround has been strange. Joel Linton's like a central midfielder now. I mean, up is down. Cats and dogs are living together. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it's a crazy world that we live in right now. But I, I mean, yeah, it's, I think it's a two horse race in this one. I think this is kind of like a, a title race, but on the flip side of, you know, terribleness. Um, <laughs> I, I just think, I think it's, I know leads are there, you know, they're plus 275 and everything's plus 225. Um, you know, for what it's worth, 538 as the odds to, of the three teams that we're talking about here. Burnley is a 51% favorite to go down. Everton 32 uh, leads at 23%. So, I mean, to me, Leeds rescued their season with the comeback over Wolves. They should be sending gift back to baskets to Raul Jimenez for getting that red card to spark a, a 2-0 uh, deficit to come back to win 3-2. I think that, pro- that result probably moved him up. The other thing that's going to help is their midfield is garbage. Um, and Calvin Phillips, who is one of the better midfields who's in the England national team setup, um, is set to return. And, you know, you can say what you want about the switch from getting away from Bielsa's kind of, you know, crazy style and going to Jesse Marsh, who's, you know, still pretty aggressive manager, um, but not nearly as, you know, intense ideologue as Bielsa was. The big important thing is if they get Calvin Phillips back, their midfield is is very bad without him. And so it's a it's a double boost because you lose, you go from having probably one of the better central midfielders in the Premier League back in your lineup versus like Adam Forshaw and Mateus Klitsch. So, you know, I think I think Robin Koch was like playing in the midfield for a while. That's gonna be big. And that that's a huge boost for a team like that that's already got a little bit of an edge in these other two teams for the relegation spot. You know, if Bamford comes back and is able to play a little bit more again this year too, that's another huge boost for them. Um, you know, Everton pretty much is everybody healthy. You know, Calvert-Lewin's been back in the fold. Um, but Burnley's kind of on the flip side. Ben Mee's missed the last two games and their center back pairing of me and Tarkovsky. Um, you know, it, this goes to show why Burnley's in the relegation fight. But those two are, are a huge part of their success. And they're also a huge part of their goal generation. Um 
So, I mean, if Mee's out for a while, that definitely makes me want to park some money um, with Burnley, even though they're minus 175. If he comes back, I just don't trust your boy Lampard. I mean, do you want to defend him? You have a space to defend him here, but I don't trust him at this point. So I, I kind of want to <laughs> throw a little bit of cash on the plus 225 at Everton. There's definitely more a one in the, than a one in three chance that they go down at this point. Yeah, I, uh, who are you talking to right now? Like, I know I loved him as a player, and he's one of my favorite athletes of all time, but as a manager at Everton, um, I'm not going to be the guy who's going to defend him right now. I mean, what the hell are – what are you <laughs> insinuating? Like, how blind do you think I just was hoping you were at like, least, like, a little bit conflicted about criticizing, you know, one of your guys. No, nah, look um, – you're the Everton fan here, so it seems weird that I would be the Lampard defender, but the <laughs> fact that I'm not going to defend him, even though he's one of my favorite athletes ever, and you sure as hell ain't going to defend him as an Everton fan, probably reflects anything the listener needs to know about the job that he's doing right now. I don't think that he's a bad manager, and I really hope that he you know, continues to have um, progress and development in his coaching career. He just shouldn't have taken the job. Like he took a relegation level team and helped drive them towards relegation. Like we've, we've talked about this a million times. You can't be a roll the ball out manager. If your players can't win the game just by you rolling the ball out. And what you want in a relegation manager isn't wide open play. Isn't, you know, trusting your players to, to be excellent and to, you know, do great things rather than a really tight tactical system that drills down on defense and grinds out zero, zero one pointers that take you out of the relegation zone. That's just not who he is at this stage of his career. So if I'm looking at these numbers, the only place I'm putting number or money in terms of value is on Everton. And I'm not doing that to wind you up. Unlike you, I don't just take picks to troll people. I value the picks that I make in this on this show in this contest and where my actual money goes. But they are clearly the best value here in terms of who's going to get relegated this season. Yeah, and I mean, you know, the thing that's actually kind of a bummer about this too is, you know, Everton fluked out a huge three point win against Newcastle down a man. I think they scored in like the 98th minute. Cause there's a ton of extra time. This would actually be a way, way more uh, serious threat for them. than I think we're probably putting out if they had, if they had uh, just managed to draw or had lost that match against Newcastle, this would probably be a coin flip at this point. Yeah. So I, I- yeah, I mean, I, I actually think it would be a literal coin flick. I think they'd both be about yeah. minus 110 without those three points. In fact, Everton might might actually be the favorite to go down. Yeah, I mean, I, to me, the, the thing is, with Everton, too, is I, I look at the remaining fixture list, and I haven't written down. I'm not going to read off both so we are so whoever's listening at this point still <laughs> turns it off. But, you know, they're at West Ham. Then they're at Burnley. Like, there's a six-pointer in this relegation match coming up right now. And it's away. Yep. It's at Turf Moor. Um, yep. And then after that, they're, they're home against United. That's an easy game where they could get no points, even if that's Goodison. Crystal Palace just drew against City. I mean, obviously, they got a little lucky there. But, you know, then it's Leicester City who can uh, – they have they've been really up and down, and they're probably overall not that great of a team. But they got some attacking talent to blow you off the pitch on a good day. Um, you know, and then they got Liverpool, which is an auto loss at this point because that's Anfield. I mean, that one's going to be a matter for like goal differential, probably. Um, and then your boys, Chelsea, 
Uh, and then they got Brentford and then they're away at Arsenal. So, I mean, and Arsenal's going to be playing for the top four. So it's not like that's going to be a throwaway game for them. So, I mean, yeah. Everton's in trouble. This fixture list is not uh, like, there's not a lot of points left on this fixture list for them to, to get wins and wins are the quickest way to pull yourself away and separate from the pack. So yeah, even though they're at a four point edge and they both have 27 games with Burnley, I mean, this, this to me still feels like a really real threat. And if they would have been a coin flip, despite fluking out a, a win against Newcastle, uh, I mean, I definitely like that you're getting plus money for this. I mean, it's probably not, it's probably somewhere between a third and a half if this goes down. And that's kind of, kind of be depending on your feel, or if you're smart enough to be doing models first off, contact me. Um, but, <laughs> but secondly, you know, your model probably has them where that plus 225 is good value. Yeah. And, and look, I mean, I, I, I should be the last guy to point on something like this, but Everton's kind of hiding in Chelsea's shadow right now. Like Everton isn't squeaky clean off the pitch. They have their own distractions going on, uh, their oh, yeah. own fallout from some of this sanction stuff. And like, I, I don't know. I mean, this these 10 games coming up for Everton is what could keep them out of a death spiral. So like, we'll see what these boys are made of because they're not just playing for next season or this season and where they're going to be. Given what's going on off the pitch, if they get relegated, who knows when they're back or who knows how far they fall. So I, uh, not just because we're friends, I'm I'm rooting for Everton. I think it's a very proud, historic franchise. I think the Premier League is better when they're up and more interesting when they're in uh, and, you know, have the Liverpool rival and all that sorts of things. So, like, even if that's where I'm pl- I would place a bet right now, it's certainly it's not exactly what I'm rooting for. Cause I don't know where the bottom is given the off the field stuff. If they go down to the championship. Yeah. I mean, well, and you know, you're talking about, you know, Alisher Uzmanov, um, who's another Russian oligarch that's been sanctioned. They set up a bunch of shady, basically deals to kind of skirt around financial fair play when uh, Moshiri came in and took over the club. And yeah, they're already having to probably deal with the fallout of losing that revenue stream. Um, so if they get relegated, like there probably is no bottom for them. Um, and it could be, and there could be, there were whispers already that they might get docked points for violating financial play stuff already. Um, so, I mean, it, it, you know, it's a good thing, at least in my opinion, that, that I've been in this unhappy marriage with Everton and I'm already cheating on them with Jesse March and Leeds. So <laughs> like, I might as well just file the divorce papers at this point and just go full fledged over to Leeds. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you hear here first. It's going to be a Chelsea slash Leeds podcast next year. If Everton doesn't uh, straighten up and fly right for these last uh, run in from of, of games. Um, all right. Well, so that is where we're at heading into the end of the year. Um, all the races are competitive, super compelling storylines up and down the table. I think we're in for a hell of a end of the season, Brett, and I'm super excited to share it with you and the listeners. And I am much more excited about that than this week's games, but I guess we should still talk about them. So after this break, we'll sprint through the six games, do the five pie and get you out of here. Okay, we are back. Uh, I guess the fixture makers knew how starved we'd be for the Premier League after this international break and decided uh, that they didn't have to waste any of the barn burners that we have coming up to the rest of the year. So we have a bunch of bottom six, seven teams versus all the top six teams, essentially, is what we're looking at this weekend. So let's just get through them really quick, guys. Starting with Liverpool, they are in second at 69 points. 
versus Watford, 18th at 22 points. This game is Saturday at 7.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Liverpool is minus 800. Watford is plus 2,200. The draw is plus 850. Liverpool minus two and a half on the spread is plus 105. Watford is minus 120. So a global theme for these games, Brett, for me, and I don't know how you feel, like, like before the international break, I felt I had a really good sense of the ebb and flow of the season, uh, you know, current tactics, current form, the way all the teams were playing, the kind of interaction between them and uh, predictive lineups and things like that. But the two week break from international play kind of scrambled my brain a little bit. Like, I don't know exactly who's going to be on the pitch for Liverpool. Uh, will they be able to continue that momentum or like did the Mo Salah Egypt thing kind of screw them up? Uh, you know, so I, I don't know because I don't know. I certainly don't feel comfortable taking Liverpool minus two and a half at plus one Oh five, which I might have when they were a killing machine, uh, in, you know, from, uh, February through March. So I am going to completely wimp out on this game. I'm just taking them to win at the minus 800. And you'll see later on that I'm just going to parlay them with other teams that I don't have a great feel for because of the international break. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, we can right now, right here, right now, we can agree international breaks are stupid and we shouldn't have them, especially when it was during a global pandemic. Um, but it, it, it does throw a weird wrench in the gears, um, you know, especially with the fact that, like, you know, Mo Salah was playing in a World Cup qualifier and then other teams are just playing in the Nations League. Um, so there's definitely, you're, then you're trying to balance that out. Like, you know, is, is Mo Salah going to come back and want to rip people's heads off? Is he going to be fatigued and emotionally drained from his country not qualifying and having green laser pointers shine in his face? Um, there's It just creates so many X factors. Um, and I mean, at least for me, like I kind of sort of wanted to, oh, I can't believe this, take Watford at the plus two and a half. Um, because actually under Roy Hodgson's, they, they've been okay. You know, Hodgson has his, his shtick. Like we all know what it is. He rolls out this four or five one. It's a very bland defensive. They don't really press. They just play on the counter. Um, but it's, it's kind of saved them a little bit as far as like the respectability. Um, honestly, if, if Hodgson had probably managed and got results like this over a full season, um, we'd be talking about them and Burnley probably being more neck and neck for a relegation spot. Um, but you know, I mean, if you're looking back at their results, like they were, they, they edged Southampton and expected goals. Uh, the Wolves match was looked lopsided on the scoreline, but was very even with the underlying numbers. You know, they played Arsenal really even at home. Um, I mean, they eked out a draw that was, you know, very lucky against Manchester United, you know, and then they played Palace even in a game where they kind of got slapped around a little bit. But the underlying numbers are saying that this Watford team has figured something out. And by jamming an extra midfielder instead of another striker like Ranieri was trying to do when he was there, they've stabilized a little bit, um, which gives me hope that even though they are playing away to Liverpool, that they could probably hang in this match. And I always hate taking spreads of a team that I don't really feel like has any win equity. And Watford has no win equity. Let me make that clear. Clear. So I'm going to chicken out. I'm not going to take the minus, the plus two and a half. I'm going to go up a little bit and I'm going to take plus three and a half at minus 280 because for whatever reason, it feels like the juice on that is a little forgiving uh, for the extra goal, given the ranges of outcome in this game. Um, so I kind of feel a little bit safer taking an adjusted spread here 
Um, but I'm going to throw a little prop at you that we haven't even done yet. Like, this is big for us. Ooh. We've been almost through a whole season. We're in April right now. And we have not taken an own goal bet. Oh, wow. You told me before the show that we were going to do a bet we have not done all year. And I assumed it was going to be you picking something that made sense and that was a winner. But now you break out an own goal bet for uh, for what's the odds? I mean, tell me what your juice right. you're getting here. So so here we'll, we'll, we'll have to backtrack a little bit and we're going to go a little bit backwards. And we'll talk about own goals. So an own goal is basically about there's a about a 10% chance of it happening in any given match. Um, just given the data over kind of the mid 2000s data in the Premier League, it's about a one in 10. It's it's probably in between one in 10, one in 11. Um, so you're getting only plus 600 for an own goal for, for Watford. But that's going to obviously play up because we know who Liverpool has whipping balls into the box on their side, right? It's at Anfield. And to kind of put this number in perspective, when you're, I think if you're going to play for an own goal and, and it's a 10 to one shot that you're getting basically six to one money for, and you're trying to bridge that gap and figure out where your edge is. Here's where, here's where I got to the map, basically. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> against, I can't wait. Against Manchester, I can't wait to hear this. I, well, against Manchester United, which is the only kind of good team that, that Watford's played in the Hodgson reign. Um, they had Manchester United had 299 touches in the final third, 49 touches in the penalty area. And to put that number in perspective, Norwich, who is one of the worst Premier League teams and most pathetic Premier League teams that we have seen in recent history, for the season, only averaged giving up 198 touches in the final third and 33 touches in the penalty area. And this is Manchester United that blew those numbers away. Not Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> Manchester United. So if we think that there's going to be somewhere close to 280, 300 touches in the final third for Liverpool and 50 or 60 touches in the penalty area with cutbacks and crosses and however many shots get off there to me, that's going to raise the level of a chance of an own goal. And the other part of it is own goals to me seem very fluky and random. Like there isn't like a stylistic thing that you can do to stop an own goal. And Watford hasn't had one yet this season, which is telling me that this terrible team that hasn't allowed an old goal, they're due. <laughs> they're due. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I'm going to, uh, I'm going to park some money at the plus 600 for the own goal. I just think with Trent Alexander Arnold and Andy Robertson coming down the flanks and whipping balls, I got a pretty good shot. FIFA, UEFA, all the international organizations. This is your fault. This is entirely your fault. <laughs> You gave us this international break, and you gave Brett way too much time to think about uh, the fixture list that was coming up. And his his solution to dealing with such boredom was to dig all the way through these numbers and come up with an own goal bet. So I personally love it, and I can't stand a judgment of you because I don't have something much better. Um, I did not do the analysis you did. I just dipped into my bag of tricks and said, forget the numbers. Let's go with narrative. What would actually happen that would make the announcers super giddy and dominate the coverage uh, on on Saturday? And so my prop bet is equally ridiculous. Well, not equally. I'm sorry. Yours is the most ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, I, didn't mean, I didn't mean. I, I didn't mean that. to. You know. You know. Kind of downplay your ridiculousness. Uh, I am taking Liverpool to score a penalty at plus one seventy six. Because what better way to talk more about the green laser pointers in Egypt and Salah than have him stand over a ball 
for two minutes on Saturday morning and kick one in uh, after the debacle that happened in the qualifying match. So give me pure narrative at plus 176 for Salah and Liverpool to convert a penalty. Yeah, that is why you guys listen to this episode. That is what you come for. Not for the great analysis, not for the stats, not for the great value, but for two of the dumbest picks that you'll hear anywhere on the Internet. And the Internet is a especially dumb place. I mean, hey, well, let's be let's be fair to ourselves here. The last time that we talked about Watford doing something, they came through. So I need them to come through with an own goal or to cover the spread. And, and, you know, maybe maybe my special power is just picking when Watford is actually going to do productive things. Well, it's actually a huge step forward for you. Like putting your money on Watford is so much better than putting your money on, I don't know, uh, Middlesbrough, a championship team that you took to blank the champions of the world and uh, to to win a clean sheet victory at 10 to one. Like I it's great. Like you are progressing forward. I already, from I already a terrible went full eternal sunshine in the spot in this line with that bet. I already had that like removed from my memory. I'd say you went eternal sunshine before that bet, <laughs> which is why you made it. Uh, all right. Speaking of which, let's move over to the Chelsea game. Chelsea third, 59 points. Brentford 15th, 30 points. Uh, Saturday at 10 a.m., Chelsea is minus 300. Brentford is plus 875. The draw is plus 400. Chelsea is uh, minus a goal and a half is plus 105. Brentford is minus 120. Uh, So Brentford has lost uh, their last eight versus big six clubs, and I say they're going to make it nine, and I say it's not going to be close. I loved how Chelsea was playing coming into the international break, and unlike most international breaks, Chelsea actually didn't have a massive workload. I mean, usually when an international break happens, all of Chelsea's roster is spelled out everywhere. But Conte got a break. uh, Lukaku got a break. Ziyech got a break. Um, I think the only Chelsea player that actually played really heavy, important minutes was Pulisic for his team uh, and Mendy. But goalkeepers don't quite tire at the same rate. Uh, so I think they're going to keep the good times rolling despite everything that's happening off the pitch. Love the form that they're on. And I feel confident in taking them at minus a goal and a half. If they get a plus number like plus one Oh five. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's, it's hard to say that this is like even a theory, but it seems like Chelsea has, I don't want to say struggle struggle is the wrong word, but they've been, having some tense affairs with teams that match a back three against them. It seems like, and again, there's so few games that play teams in the back three that even if I spouted a bunch of numbers, it would be small sample size regardless. It's more, this is more like a subjective viewing type of thing. Um, so I wanted to take them with a full spread, but I'm actually going to go with an adjusted spread where I feel, I don't want to go straight money line. Um, I feel like there's a little bit of value if you can take a little bit of a spread, so I'm taking them at just minus 0.5. Winning by a goal basically is, I think, a big part of their range against Brentford. You know, 1-0 score lines, 2-1, something like that. You know, I, I don't necessarily see this game having a huge range where it gets out of hand, where they're winning 3-0, 4-0, um, especially if my little subjective theory that they struggle against teams that can match their wingbacks is somewhere in the ballpark of being right. Um, so I'm going to take them at minus 290 uh, at minus 0.5. And then... I am going to take one specific scoreline. It's kind of like a way to hedge my, I don't know, pessimism that they're going to blow this team out. 
I think two goals is a huge part of Chelsea's range, like a giant part of Chelsea's range. And I think zero to one goals is a giant part of Brentford's range. So the exact scoreline at plus 550 of Chelsea to win 2-0 just seems like there's a lot of value in there. Ooh, I like that one quite a bit. Uh, I, I back that one. 550? I mean, heck, I might need to hang up and place a wager. <laughs> uh, so continuing my stupid narrative points, I'm going to take, believe it or not, I'm going to take Romelu Lukaku as an anytime goal scorer at plus 125. I don't think we're going to see Pulisic in this match. I think he's going to get a much-deserved rest after the drain of qualification. Um, And then I think he's been exceptional both against Real Madrid and in the Champions League, and I think they're going to rest him for their match next week. So I think we're going to probably see uh, Havertz-Lukaku front line. And Lukaku finally got a break for uh, playing for Belgium, got some R&R. And strangely, I don't know how you feel about this. I mean, it's just because they're my team. But like football players vacationing together instead of with their families always I find interesting. Like it was him and Zeke and Chalaba and Chile just like going through Miami and going to heat games and things like that. Where where's your family, dog? Like you spend nine, ten intense months with these guys. Like you really got to get in a jet and go with them off on your your two weeks off. But then the 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 fan side of my brain goes, oh my god, look how much they love each other. They're gonna continue to bond and they're gonna be world beaters. So I don't know. Um, I think I think it's weird either way you look at it. But then I just look at him like, all right. Uh, he's all for all the talk about him wanting to go back to Milan and him being unhappy. He's vacationing with his teammates and all the pictures are him smiling and having a good time. He was starting to come a little bit more on track. I think he's going to be heavily featured in this match. I do like them to score at least two goals. So throw it all together and getting plus odds on him to, you know, tap one in on a great, a great cross from Mount or Havertz or anybody else. I just like the value. I mean, that's good. And, and as far as your other point, I don't really like care who they're with. I just always like seeing like who's boys with who, you know, because then you get that like unexpected friendship because especially at this point, like I thought Lukaku would be like best friends with the trainer because he doesn't want to talk to anybody anymore because he wants to leave. No, Ziek makes sense. Ziek makes complete sense. Yeah. They're the two surliest SOBs <laughs> in all of fucking London. So of course they're hanging out together. Misery loves company, man. Yeah, but what is Chile doing there? Like, get Chalaba away from them. Like, Chalaba's still a young kid. He's, these aren't these are the mentors that we want. Have him hang out with Conte and, like, play Pinochle on a beach in France somewhere. Like, why is he in Miami with Lukaku and Ziyech? That is no bueno. <laughs> I mean, I think this is where you just need to devote your time and energy is to make sure that, that all the young Chelsea players that you like are hanging out with the right influences on the team. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, all right. Um, before, <laughs> before this becomes an Instagram only podcast, let's keep it moving. Uh, Burnley 19th, 21 points versus Manchester city. First at 70 points Saturday at 10 AM. Manchester city is minus four fifty. Burnley is plus 1200. The draw is plus five twenty five. Manchester city minus a goal and a half is minus one forty. Burnley is plus one twenty. Uh, Burnley has scored four total goals in 11 games versus the big six. And I'll let you guess where a couple of them came against 
Uh, so I don't think they have much of a shot in hell of this game. I think City is going to be looking to send a message as many times as they can ahead of the six-pointer. I see them absolutely destroying Burnley. So I'm taking them minus – I'm not only taking them minus a goal and a half and minus 140 um, for my prop bet. I'm taking them to win by – I'm taking them to score at least two goals and to keep a clean sheet. And I'm getting a plus number on that. So for them to kind of blow out Burnley and keep them scoreless is plus 130. But no, I, I'm kind of anti-Burnley, obviously, in this match as well, though there's a couple of things that stick in my mind with this. And the first one is, you know, City isn't really running rampant over teams these days. They're suffocating the life out of games. Um, and I think part of that is they, they played the slower place. They did it during the pandemic title year where they slowed the pace down. They really controlled possession. They minimize their chances for counterattacks. Um, so for me, the under two and a half goals, as far as the conventional spreads at plus 135 seem like the best for me. I, I really, it's hard to see Burnley scoring. Um, they just don't have the type of players that even if you're trying to counterattack against city um, that you probably need to score a goal. So now I do look forward to Wu Wakehorse. Now that I've said that him having a breakaway and probably netting La brace. Um, but I, I think, again, Burnley's range is, is very heavily weighted towards zero. City's range is probably anywhere between one and four. Um, but, I mean, to me, they're playing for a title. So there's going to be a lot of emphasis on controlling the match, not just pouring guys forward, getting people onto the box and exposing themselves. Um, and Burnley's got something to play for, too. Like, they're fighting for their Premier League lives. So I feel like this could be a little bit more of a tense game than we're maybe giving it credit for as far as, like, the two teams on paper. Um, so I like that's why I like the under. You know, I, I think Burnley's going to try to defend their asses off, and I think City's going to try to control the game, and that, to me, spells a recipe for a very low-scoring affair. Um, or maybe, like, a 1-0 game where City completely dominates it, but they just didn't get the second or third goal. Um, and then as the prop bet... This is a Toby special, man. And it's one of my favorite bets of the week in that vein of a game being close where, you know, maybe it's zero nil, nil 75th minute, 80th minute city has to start pouring it on to try to get a goal to get the three points or Burnley's, you know, just defending like crazy, trying to keep city out of the box. Um, the over five and a half corners, I mean, city, I smelled a corner, but city leads that leads the, the premier league in corners per match. Um, I feel like if this, if this is the type of game I'm thinking it's going to be the extra pressure to get this, the, the first goal or the second goal from city means that we're going to get a lot of balls chipped into the box, cleared away, headed out, which means there could be a lot of corners coming up and you're getting at minus one fifteen, which isn't terrible when you're talking about an over bet for the team that takes the most in the um, one of my favorite bets of the week, actually. I think that's where I'm going to go with the problem. All right. Sounds like we'll hear that one later in the five pint. All right. Three more games. A uh, lot of Jekyll and Hyde teams. So let's rip through them. Uh, Manchester United, sixth at 50 points. Leicester City, 10th at 36 points. This game is Saturday at 1230 p.m. Manchester United is minus 190. Uh, Leicester is plus 500. The draw is plus 350. Manchester United on the spread, uh, minus half a goal, stays at minus 190, and Leicester moves up to plus 165. So you know my philosophy on this, Brett. If uh, there are two Jekyll and Hyde teams, and I think a all three outcomes are kind of close to equally likely, I'm taking the plus. So give me Leicester plus half a goal at plus 165 
to get some points out of this match. And look, they even won the reverse fixture 4-2, been fairly informed lately. So it's not just kind of, you don't have no idea what Manchester United team you're going to get. You could actually get a decent Leicester team that comes out and hangs with them, ekes out a draw and cashes a plus 165 ticket. Yeah, I mean, we're, I mean, if you're taking that type of spread, we're kind of in the same boat. I, I just don't know where to what to think of two teams that are massively underwhelming in terms of the names that are on their, their roster or their squad list. So um, I, I think the draw is the best play. This feels like a pretty even match and a lot of outcomes can fall into Lester nicking a point. So one in three times, if Lester does that, then you're getting good value on plus 350. And then if you're going to, if you're going to go with the draw, you might as well just go all in on it. So my prop bet is just taking a score tie, not a scoreless tie, a score tie for plus 380, because I just don't see this being, if this is going to be a draw, it's just definitely not going to be a zero, zero one. It's going to be a one, one, two, two type of affair, probably. Mm. Um, so I'm going to take the score tie and just kind of double down on the evenness of these two frustratingly mediocre teams. Well, very interesting. We're having different conversations about the same game, which I usually like. Um, I'm sticking with the Jekyll and Hyde theme. And if you have two teams that one of them could be a complete no-show and it could be either team, it's uh, you're getting two shots at a no-show. I'm taking both teams to score at no um, at plus 120. So just two teams that frequently crap the bed. I'm betting one of them. Uh, <laughs> Kind of goes full succession on us and wakes <laughs> up in a wakes up in bed in their own filth and you know I don't have to clean it up and I'm sleeping with cash so I'm pretty happy with that number. Uh, all right, so let's move over to Tottenham. Tottenham fifth at 51 points versus Newcastle 14th at 31 points. This game is Sunday 11:30 a.m. Spurs minus 200. Newcastle plus 525. Draw is plus 330. Spurs minus half a goal, stay at minus 200. Newcastle goes to plus 170. So this is just another game where I don't like uh, Spurs to show up every single time. And because they they zigzag out of form and they have just as much likelihood to show up and win this game 4-1 as they have to lose it 1-0, 2-0, I, just because of the numbers, not because it's the most likely result, I'm taking Newcastle straight up to win this thing. Plus 525 to fade the Spurs on not showing up after an international break against a Newcastle team that continues to trend in the second half. I just like the numbers. I like the odds. Sue me. I'm taking them. Yeah, you and I are definitely going to be on different sides of the fence this whole week. So this will be this will go a long way in breaking rights. Um, Yeah, I actually am going the other direction. I just I see some of the results are there. One of the consistent themes with Newcastle lately is they have just not been very good in terms of creating chances. Part of that is probably they're playing Joel Linton in the midfield. (laughs) Um, So I'm not super bullish on them. I think Spurs defending has been better than we've probably seen in terms of scorelines. Even in the wild United game, they basically only gave up less than uh, one and a half expected goals in chances. Um, so to me, I'm actually going to take another adjusted spread and I'm going to take Spurs minus two and a half at plus 400. Whoa. Um, Whoa. Because I just, I, I think at some point, this Newcastle string of results, which the underlying numbers again are there. Don't get me wrong. But at the same token, they played Everton even 
and Everton was down a man for like the last 30 minutes of that match. Uh, and Everton is not good. So, and Spurs are quite good. So I kind of feel like the wheels are going to fall off this Newcastle train because just the players that are out there for them, like they're a little bit better than they were uh, under Steve Bruce, but Eddie Howe is not like some magician. Uh, I mean, remember Bournemouth, <laughs> they went down he didn't save them. Um, so I just kind of like, this is just my continuing bet that like the numbers and my eyes are just not matching up right now because I look at these players on the pitch that are playing for Newcastle and they just seem like a way weaker team than the results are suggesting. And I feel like at some point this is going to turn with the actual results of their performances. Um, so I like that. And then I got to do this one too. It's, it's going to be a weekly thing where one of us says it prop bet. I'm going to trust a good team, do a good thing, clean sheet win for my, for Spurs, your boy Conte, tighten it up on the back. Uh, and they win 1-0, whatever. No goals from Newcastle, plus 125. I will take a plus number for that. Yeah, I'm glad you're getting a plus number because I, I like that bet. I think it's about 50-50 that a real Spurs team shows up. And the other 50% is a horrible Spurs team shows up. So your good team to go, do a good thing is probably right 50% of the time. So getting plus numbers is good. I I just couldn't see this game any more differently than you. So this is going to be very interesting. My prop bet is a, an adjusted spread the exact opposite way. I'm taking Newcastle plus a goal and a half at minus 165. Uh, 11 of their last 13 matches were within one goal. And so adjusting the spread up to expect them to get blown out by at least three goals, they played teams just as good or better than Spurs and managed to keep, keep keeping it tight. And I know you're looking at the numbers and I know you're looking at the product on the field. It doesn't make sense to you, but that's now a large enough sample size to bet the wheels are going to fall off in any single match versus the totality of the form they've been on since the transfer window. I just don't want to try to, you know, pick when lightning is going to strike, even if we think lightning is going to strike eventually. So I'm happy to lay the juice and take the minus number because they keep playing games within one goal over and over and over and over again. Yeah. I mean, there's a word for that and it's called luck. <laughs> um, I think that Newcastle, I've been getting lucky, but at the same token in defense of the Newcastle love, uh, our boy Kuliszewski, who has turned around Spurs, also looked like he wanted to murder everybody on Poland when Sweden was down to nothing in their World Cup qualifier. So he may come and get a red card within the first minute to take out his frustration and missing out on the World Cup. So that'll make all your Newcastle bets look fucking awesome. So you got that going for you. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a global point for all of these games. Like the the only real advantage all of these lower table teams have is they don't have people that were just grinded through heavily emotional games like uh, Poland versus Sweden or, you know, Egypt, Senegal. Uh, Emil Kraft on Newcastle takes offense to the, that in the Sweden call of duty. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, so get your Emil Kraft well, that's in here. One, I'm not afraid of him. He's Swedish. And then two... <laughs> Um, I just, one guy doesn't change the overall opinion. Like these are guys that for the most part, their entire squad just had. I just wanted to point out that Emil Kraft was not Sweden and played for Newcastle. That's, that's really it. Just trying to show off. Sure. So I have no, I have no other impressive knowledge just to throw random shit, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess that's my what picks, happens. My, picks aren't, doing, our, my picks aren't doing it anymore. Uh, all right. All right, uh, let's move past Swedish relationships and move to <laughs> Crystal Palace at 12th 
at 34 points versus Arsenal, fourth at 54 points. This is the Monday game at 3 p.m. Arsenal is minus 110. Crystal Palace is plus 310. The draw is plus 230. Arsenal on the spread, um, minus half a goal, obviously stays at minus 110. And Crystal Palace is plus 100, making this a coin flip for who's if Crystal Palace can nick some points. And I am taking whatever side of the coin is showing God himself, Connor Gallagher's face. Uh, give me Crystal Palace plus 100. Ramsdale hurt is uh, the main reason I'm hesitant on Arsenal to just go ahead and, and slot them in for a victory. Crystal Palace is you know coming off of that uh, incredible draw against City, as much as incredible as a 0-0 draw can be. I think Arsenal is going to do a good job controlling this game. But, and Zaha being out obviously uh, gives me a little bit of pause on taking Crystal Palace, but I'm doing it. I'm taking Conor Gallagher to uh, lead his team to a gritty draw or win here, and I'm also taking him for my prop. Shot on target, minus 140, hallowed be his name. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, for this one, um, it's just Palace is just weird, man. Um that's another great analysis point by me, but yeah, it, it's, oh my gosh. it's tough. They they just have muddied up some games that you wouldn't really expect them to hang with. Um, and then, you know, again, like Connor Gallagher has been great for them. He's kind of been out over his skis as far as his finishing versus what the chances he's actually created. Um, but I mean, you know, they, they've just been better. And it, again, it's weird. Cause like Patrick Vieira came over and he didn't really have like a track record of truly elevating teams to play. So there's, you know, just kind of some guys that have come back in the fold, switched different spots, minutes have been allocated differently. Gallagher has been good. So they've just been surprisingly competitive in these matches, you know, which especially last year, like you look at that Palace team under Hodgson, you know, playing against an Arsenal team that's been this good. And you think like Arsenal would kind of walk them a little bit. But to me, I think this is going to be an ugly slugfest. So that draw at plus 245, like just looks appealing. Um, and then again, I'm going to go long shot with the prop. And I can't help myself when I just see these high plus numbers. I need to hit on one, but neither of these teams are blow me away with their attack. And they're both very solid uh, defensively. And Arteta plays this slow motion style of play with a lot of passing back and forth uh, between like the center backs. So with not a lot of verticality and attacking, uh, you know, kind of oomph. So the under a 0.5 goal. So basically you're taking a scoreless draw. It's plus 750. And this game mm. to me is going to be ugly as fuck. And I want to see that bet hit just one time. Give me something over yeah. plus 650 to hit. I could see this being zero zero. So I'm going to take a shot at, at uh, the under 0.5 total goals at plus 750. I like that bet. I mean, Arsenal's always a good bet to keep a, a clean sheet in an ugly style. And Crystal Palace just held City to zero. So why can't they do it? one out of seven times to a far, far, far worse offensive squad like Arsenal. So for once, I don't hate one of your long shot bets. Congratulations, <laughs> Thanks, man. So, so confidence uh, inspiring. Well, that leads us into the five pint pickoff. Uh, the March results, Brett, I had 20 pints and you had 12. And so uh, 20 being more than 12, I have now won four out of the five months that we have done this. All right. Uh, that, how are you that, feeling? That like, keg of like, best. It's on its way. It, the, the delivery guys are going to probably knock during our recording right now. So, well, you can send me English best, which would just be Conor Gallagher's blood after his man of the mass performance, and I'd rather drink that. 
on that disturbing thought, let's get to this week's pickoff where I'm going to kick off April and I try to make this five out of six months versus Brett. Uh, it is important to note that both of us are plus on the season. So as much as I bust his balls, he's still a plus EV better for the year, just not as plus EV as I am. Uh, I am going to leave this off with the good teams all doing good things uh, when they're playing sub subpar competition. So give me a three-team parlay of Liverpool, City, and Chelsea just to win uh, those three teams. Parlay together, you get down to minus 120. So not quite to the plus range, but I like all three of them to take care of business. Liverpool and City to make sure the title race is fully on. And Chelsea, I've already shared how confident I am against uh, Brentford coming off the international break. So that's my favorite bet of the week. Uh, then the other four, Newcastle plus a goal and a half, minus 165. That's my, my weak sauce bet of the week. Uh, but then I've got some plus numbers to follow that. Chelsea minus a goal and a half at plus 105. Manchester City at least two goals to nil, plus 130. And then got to do it. Got to do it. Connor Gallagher, <laughs> shot on target, <laughs> minus 140. Let's go. <laughs> you know, if he ever goes missing, I'm going to make sure the police come to your basement. Um, <laughs> I, I don't want him in my I don't want him in my basement. I want him in my heart. <laughs> I've accepted him there, and that is where he lives. <laughs> the Jim, the Jim Jones of the Connor Gallagher call, right here, everybody. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm gonna go. I gotta go with a long shot. I want to try to start this month off right. This is not an April Fool's, but I'm gonna put a pint on the plus 750 of that under I so love in the Palace Arsenal match. Um, I'm gonna go long shot here, even though it's probably gonna just end up being a wasted pint. Um, but I will make up for it by taking a steady bet. Your boys. On that adjusted spread, minus 290, Chelsea minus 0.5 against Brentford. Uh, then I'm going to take the good team to do a good thing. Spurs plus 125 for the clean sheet win. Um, and then, you know, my favorite one of the week, the over five and a half corners in the second half, minus 115. Yeah. City Burnley. Uh, I'm going to put the rest of my pints right there. That's just mean taking my own bet against me. So when I, I mean, watch you, it, I can't get excited. That you're taking my line on a good team doing a good thing. So I get to take your bets. That's fair is fair. That's fair. I've only adopted the only thing that you bet well, and I made it my own. <laughs> yeah. So that is exactly how you do it. We hope you listeners are doing the same thing. Throw out our nonsense about narrative. Just take the ones that are winners and then go and cash some tickets. Uh, all right. So thank goodness the Premier League's back. Saturday and Sunday and even Monday now are going to be a lot more fulfilling than uh, watching some international friendlies. Enjoy the Premier League games and we will be back next week to use our usual interchange of horrible advice backed by expert analysis. See you next week, folks. Take care, y'all. <laughs>